from getting 10 to 15 calls a day, what would be different from your call, from your cold call or from your pitch? What would be different from your email? What would be different from your LinkedIn message? So it's very important to make sure that you come up with a strategy. And that's the part that I always tell people, no matter how amazing your idea is as a startup founder, as an entrepreneur, if you don't have someone with a sales background in the company, then please take that seriously because so many people don't take that seriously. And then they end up after a year or two and this much debt, and then they say it's time to shut it down. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney McGuire. Here on the show are all about products and people who make an impact. We interview successful founders, entrepreneurs, tech experts, growth marketers, VCs, anyone who's truly scaling their ability to create an impact, scale their business, and create a ton of income along the way. My number one mission with the show is to tease out the tips and tools that anyone can apply in their own business, in their own career, in their own life to scale their income and their ability to reach the desired outcomes that we have with our goals. Today on the show, we have Naveed Momemi. Naveed is the CEO of Sales Guru Global and the author of the number one best-selling book on Amazon, How to Be a Sales Master. Naveed truly is a sales master. This conversation was awesome for me as an entrepreneur. I was fascinated with his tips that he had in terms of how to scale and essentially even bootstrap a sales process within your organization. So all the tips that we talked about in this episode, you know, he's, I, you're going to have to wait for the intro to hear his full list of accolades and the types of businesses he's helped grow and scale millions of dollars in revenue. But trust me when I say that all the tools from this episode are going to be applicable, whether you run a large sales organization or you're a one-man team trying to bring a product to market. I gained so many tips that I'm applying in my own life and in my own business, and I know you will as well. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Naveed Mamemi. Naveed, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So for everybody listening, Naveed is a sales expert. We got connected to podcast are really excited to pick your brain. He is the CEO of the Sales Guru Global. And why don't we just start with you introducing what you do, tell us about your company, what your expertise is really focused on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been doing sales for almost at the professional level, almost 15 years now. And mostly B2B, B2C, SaaS, technology, financial industry, non-for-profits, hospitality and tourism. Been at the leadership level for the last seven years. And basically I'm in love with the industry. I'm so passionate about the industry that for so many people, they look at it as a job, but I look at it as a part of my life. And originally I was uh, supposed to be a pro soccer player. Unfortunately, some surgeries happened, some stuff happened that I couldn't continue. So I said, God sent me to this planet for two reasons, either to become a pro soccer player or to become a, an amazing sales uh, professional. And here I am today, I have a consulting company called Sales Group Global, where I help startups, medium-sized companies, large-sized companies with their sales department. And I also have lots of mentees. I also manage a, a sales team at a company called Wishmont, where, which is a publicly traded company based out of Vancouver, uh, offering a digital marketing solution to small and medium-sized businesses. And also, aside from that, I also have a cosmetic company which is focusing on hair products for females with curly hair, which is completely different from this. But as you and I were talking about it earlier, that's, that comes from my 
entrepreneurial background, being a startup founder for almost three, four businesses, four businesses. Also, currently, I'm an, I'm an advisor for nine startups, mostly in the technology and SaaS industry. Very cool. We were chatting right before this recording on different topics we could jump into. And without even having to hesitate, giving you like 10 of all these subtopics within Vails we can jump straight into. So I'm, I'm really excited to have someone like yourself who's got expertise, not just in corporate technology sales, startup scene as well, and clearly a very broad breadth of industry. So everything you're going to share today is going to be applicable regardless of what industry or niche the, the listeners in. So why don't we just start with, you honest, you listed a ton of different topics. In my mind, there's probably an order that we could take these through maybe from the start of the sale pipeline. Is it the, is prospecting the first place to start? And maybe we can even consider and frame this whole conversation up. Let's just imagine we're talking about a pretty small sized startup offering maybe consulting services or something like that, or you can pick, but I'd be curious that we're just taking, we're creating an avatar and type of business. Let's go through each of those stages of the sales journey. And I just really love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. For a startup, before even thinking about coming up with a quota or sales targets or sales strategy, you, you want to make sure first you're validating your idea, right? That market validation, product validation is super important because that's one of the main reasons that seven, eight out of 10 startups, they fail because they think their idea is genius. It's amazing. Then they come to the market and they see there's no need or demand for those, for their products. So it's very important to, to make sure that to, to validate the idea. I remember when we came up with the idea of drop technology, one of the startups that I co-founded with two other individuals, we spent almost close to nine months to validate it. And we spoke to 30 to 40 professionals in, in that, that specific industry every week, times it by four, that, that were the number of professionals every month to see if actually there's a need or there's a demand for these type of products. So that way, when we launch our products, uh, we already had uh, a good pipeline of people who were interested in these products and services. So I think that that's number one. Uh, point that founders should, should understand that before even thinking about selling your products or your services first, see if there is any demand or need for it in the market, in the industry. And then after that, you need to understand your ICP, your ideal customer profile. Who are you exactly planning to go after? What are the industries within those industries? What are the companies uh, that you can go after within those companies? What are the departments within the co those companies who struggle or suffer the most? from the problems that your products uh, solve. And from those departments, who are the individuals that are responsible to solve those problems and then go after those individuals. Meaning that let's say an example is if I'm selling a digital marketing solution to, to a, a hotel, I have to ask myself, how many hotels out there can use these type of products and services? What department is responsible for these products and services? What in the, who are the individuals responsible for that? And then I can create a list of thousand people, 2000 people, businesses or hotels and go after them one by one. Once you do that, then you need to understand, obviously, what's your pitch? What is your, what is your strategy? How many people are you planning to go after? What is your prospecting techniques? Are you planning to do it through cold calling, cold emails, cold LinkedIn messages? And one thing that I always tell people, no matter what technique you pick, doesn't matter if it's cold calling or if you're planning to send a cold email or LinkedIn message or whatever, make sure that you customize it. Make sure that you come up with a strategy before reaching out to that individual and make sure you have a, a clear ask and clear offer 
when you reach out to that individual. Because these prospects, and it doesn't matter again if you're in a B2B space or B2C space, they receive uh, so many calls, they receive so many emails, so many messages from people every day, daily. And you got to always ask yourself, what's unique about your approach? If, if I'm at C level, if I'm getting 10 to 15 calls a day, what would be different from your call, from your cold call or from your pitch? What would be different from your email? What would be different from your LinkedIn message? So it's very important to make sure that you come up with a strategy. And that's the part that I always tell people, no matter how amazing your idea is as a startup founder, as an entrepreneur, if you don't have someone with a sales background in the company, then please take that seriously. Because so many people don't take that seriously. And then they end up after a year or two and this much debt, and then they say it's time <laughs> to shut it down. So it's, and I've seen it many times happening, many times happening. I love that. I really appreciate the way you broke that down. So really understanding, I really appreciate you taking a moment to step back and validate your idea at that point. In my own life experience, pretty much every person who's worth listening to out there would say something similar, which is really validate before you build, or even tell before you build in a sense to really understand that you have appetite. Uh, so really appreciate that. Before I dig into questions around this specific strategy for outreach, what do you think about, do you think it's always best to be bulletproof confident in who you want to target and spend extra time on front, up front with your messaging? Or are there situations where, okay, I have this tool or this technology or this thing that I can sell that I think could be applicable to multiple different audience types. Is it ever worth like maybe going less deep, but casting a wider net with that initial outreach to try like maybe four or five different markets to see where you get the most appetite? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a huge fan of Steve Blank and his whole idea of approach to lean startup and the canvas model. And I remember that was one thing that I always looked at even for my own companies and startups. And I think it's very important for you even before, before reaching out to anyone. It's about you sitting down by yourself or your co-founders or your C-levels and try to write down on a piece of paper, all the amazing things that your products and services could do. And then from there, try to understand, okay, based on what I wrote down points, A, B, C, D, E, the things that we can do, who are the people that we can, we should go after. And then when you come up with that, you know, again, ideal customer profile, then that's the time for you to understand that. What would be the right messaging for me to go after these individuals, right? So there are so many companies out there and startups out there, they think because they are sending 5,000, 6,000 mass emails or messages or random LinkedIn messages, they are doing a phenomenal job. At the end of the day, they go high five each other in the office and say, today I just sent out 6,000 uh, uh, emails, right? And when you ask them, uh, what was the response rate? They say it's 0% or 0 0.008. And the reason for that is, again, you're just, you don't even know what you're doing. It's like throwing whatever you can and see what's going to stick on the wall. So it's super important to make sure that when we talk about those messaging, I rather my reps to send 15 to 20 emails a day versus 80 to 90 emails a day, but 15 to 20 customized emails. Why? Because that's the time that not only you capture the prospect's attention, but also you're going to distinguish yourself, separate yourself from other comp competitors out there, but also you actually show them exactly 
what's in it for them to reply to that email and to schedule that call. Like you need to give them a reason and you should never ask for a time to, to sell them something or to go take them through a product. You should ask them for a time to deliver, the, uh, deliver value to them. Show them something that they didn't know or give them something that they never had before. Simplify their life, simplify their business and show them why you have to attend that. So when it comes to those, the messaging, doesn't matter if you're doing that through a cold email or LinkedIn message or tweet or I don't know, TikTok or text message or voicemail message. I always tell the salespeople out there, make sure it's customized, tailored to that specific individual. Make sure that you have done your homework about that individual. You know exactly who you're reaching out to and make sure that you capture their attention immediately. Because if I'm receiving 40, 50 emails like that every day, I want to ensure that you're definitely worth of uh, five minutes of my time reading that email and replying back to them. And also make sure that you come out. That's how I think the most, most important one. Make sure that you come out as an expert as a, and, and a consultant in that person's industry. Because the moment you sound like those, one of those salespeople from Wolf of Wall Street and Boilers Room and all these movies that I blame, blame these movies for giving a bad reputation to salespeople, that's the time that uh, not only you lose your prospect, but you come out as a guy or a woman who is trying to sell me something. Okay, let's speak into that a little bit more. So that's coming across as an expert, not a salesperson. How should someone pay attention to their language to be seen as one or the other? What are the call signs of you're being overly salesy versus what can I do to come across as more of an expert? It's, it's, it's pretty simple. And so many people, they make this complicated. And again, I blame it to all these, what do you call it? Not only movies, but also we have some of these amazing uh, social uh, influencers that they don't know anything about sales, but they are trying to pitch about sales. It's very simple. When you're talking to someone in the, in the HVAC industry, when you're talking to someone in the hospitality and tourism industry, pharmaceutical industry, if you actually know about their industry, you would use the same language as them. If you actually know about their industry, you know exactly what are some of the pains they go through daily, right? And look at the difference in the pitch. When someone reaches out to someone in the, I don't know, again, I use the hotel industry example. You reach out to someone and say, hi, this is my name. Our company is the best company. For the last 10 years, we work with the like of clients like this and all that. It's all about you. That's already done. Versus when you reach out to that person, that hotel owner or general manager, and you say, this is my name. I actually help lots of hotels in your industry to increase their ref bar or ADR. Immediately, you are using the industry terms, revenue per available room, average daily rates. And I help all the hotels to solve these three common problems that every hotel has. One, two, three. If you have any of these problems, great. Let's schedule a call. If not, I would still like to share some information with you. You don't even have to use it today. You can always put it in your back pocket in the future. But let me give you, let me schedule this call with you so I can walk you through this. And I promise you it would be the best five minutes, 10 minutes of your day. So when you're talking to someone in the de dental industry, you know exactly what are some of the challenges that person is uh, going through, right? When it comes to our company today, we have lots of dentists that or some of the doctors that they come to us and they say, I don't know how to attract new patients, right? When it comes to small or medium-sized businesses, so many of them, they come to us and they say, I don't know how to att attract people to my website, or even when I attract people, the traffic to my website, I don't even know how to uh, convert them into actual clients. When you come out as a consultant, as an expert in the industry, 
you tell them, okay, Mr. Client, let me show you exactly how I can help you to get that point B to that future state. And you're confident about it. There's a difference between being confident and cocky. I need to point this out because I know some people, they say, okay, you know, I'm a challenger type of salesperson, so I can be cocky. No, uh, but you need to be confident about it. But also at the same time, you need to exactly show them, this is where you are today, Mr. Customer. This is where you want to be in the future. Let me help you. Let me show you how I can help you to get there, right? And here's a strategy to get there. It's simple, right? The most important part of that sales process is discovery. The sales is done at discovery. When people tell me, oh, the sales is done in the product demo, closing this and that, I say BS. The sales is done at the discovery. Why? Because if you do a proper job, if you truly identify those, not only pain points, but identify the impact and the root cause, then at the end of the, that discovery, that prospect can look at you and say, wow, you did something that uh, no other salespeople have done. You truly took time to get to know me, to get to know my business, quantify the impact, to understand, to identify, to calculate the gap. And you show me exactly how you can help it to get there. Let's get to the business. And the worst type of the salespeople are the type that at the end of that discovery, they know that there is no need for that prospect to use your products and services. But because you have to hit your quotas, you say, you know what, let me become one of those shady salespeople to sell them my products and services no matter what, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, we have those people out there and you might be happy and you might go celebrate with your buddies at the bar at the end of the night doing shots and all that. But trust me, not only you're damaging your reputation, but also you're damaging your company's reputation if you come out as one of those salespeople. And that's why I've had so many times my reps in the middle of the discovery, they actually stopped the call and they say, Mr. Customer, I'm so sorry for wasting your time based on everything that you have shared with us today. I don't think we would be the right company for you to work with, or I don't think based on what you just shared with me, uh, we have the right solution for your, uh, for your problems. And you have no idea how many times you have had people to be surprised and be like, wow, thank you so much. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for being honest versus trying to sell me something no matter what. So that's again, very important. When you come out as an expert, as a consultant in that person's industry, when you read about that, when you read about the news, when you get, keep yourself educated about their industry, with the, keep yourself up to date with all the trends, then that's the time that when you're applying the stock about something related to hotel industry, HVAC, lobbying, dental, lawyers, pharmaceutical, you know exactly what's going on in their industry. You don't come out as someone who's trying to sell them something. Yeah. All of that. You mentioned, so you said sales is done in the discovery. You gave the example of the client really, or the customer really feel like you took time to get to know them and you listed off what seems like more or less a process or a set of steps before quickly through that. Could you walk us back through even that like bullet point list of frameworks? So someone listening wants to really focus on the discovery process. Like, do you have a framework that they could follow? Of course, it's going to be different based on the industry, but it sounds like identifying the core problem, quantifying it, you can share a few other things in there as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. The approach that I have always uh, taken, and it's an approach that one of my good friends and mentors, Keenan, he also talks about this in his book, Gap Selling. It's, it's very simple. When you're doing that discovery, you need to understand the type of the questions that you're asking. And uh, you need to make sure that uh, you keep it plain and simple, right? And we always say in that concept, we ask four types of questions, probing questions, process questions, provoking questions, 
And at the end, you do validating or what some people call it recap, which is like probing questions or open-ended questions. It's more about tell me about your business. How long have you guys been around? Blah, blah, blah. Process questions are tell me about your current process today. How are you currently doing this? How are you attracting people to your website? How are you making that conversion? Blah, blah, blah. So many salespeople, they ask these first two probing and process questions. I would say you barely find salespeople to ask provoking questions, which are super important. Those are the questions that starts with what if. And usually the reason we ask these type of questions, because we don't want to do selling during discovery. We truly want to do the discovery. And um, we ask provoking questions to gently push the customers, the prospect, to look at things from our perspective. And that could be, Mr. Customer, what if there was a way that you could reduce the number of people in your accounting department helping you with the real-time reporting and uh, improve your you know, productivity by uh, 40%? You ask a question, you go quiet. You let that prospect to think about that future state. I always use the example of uh, lottery. So many people like lottery for what reason? You say, hey man, what if there was a way you could spend $20 to buy four line of Lotto Max or whatever? and win $60 million. And the person is already thinking, oh my God, I'll put $20 and I, there's a chance that I can win $60 million. Everyone's thinking about that strategic outcome. And the fourth is validating questions, which at the end, we do this one because we want to make sure not only we use the most important skill a salesperson should have, which is active listening, but also we show that prospect that not only I listen to everything you said, but I want to make sure that I didn't miss anything. So at the end, so Mike, if you can help me to understand this better, or I want to make sure I got this correctly. So today you're dealing with one, two, three, four, five problems. Here's also impacting your business. Here is the root causes of this. And you quantify it. And one thing that is very important that so many salespeople don't do that is to be able to truly understand what your prospect is going through. If the prospect is telling you, hey, you know what? Last year we didn't grow enough. So many times salespeople, they write it and they say, oh, I got a pain point. The person said they didn't grow enough. That's the time that I tell them, park it right there. What do you mean you didn't grow enough? Mr. Customer, can you help me to understand that? What exactly do you mean by enough? We were supposed to grow by, I don't know, 50%. Oh, okay. And what did you guys end up doing? 30%. Okay. So we are talking about, so you missed 20%. Yes, we did. And we have to make up for that number. What is the goal for this year? 65%. What are you sitting at today? 45%. So 20%, 65 minus 45, 20% for this year. And you said 20% from previous year. So you have to make up 40%. Is that the gap that I'm talking about? Yes, you are. Okay, good. This is what I mean by making it very specific, right? If someone says, oh, my employees are spending lots of manual hours every week to create real-time reporting. So many times people write it down. Exact Again, Mr. Kostner, what is many hours to you? I spoke to a client in your industry earlier today. They say it's 20 hours a week. Yes, it's 30 hours a week. So 30 hours times four. We are talking about 120 hours a month. Yes, you're right. Times up by 12. Wow. So we are talking about they're all 960 hours. How much are you paying them per hour? When you do all of these things, it gets to the point that the prospect goes, and we have seen this happening many times. C-levels, they start looking at each other in the room. And they're like, wow, nobody ever broke it down like that. So you are just telling me you're losing like almost around like $250,000 only on this specific problem. So the best salespeople are the ones that who are not only problem solvers, but also problem finders. So many times salespeople that rely on what the prospect is telling them, what they think, 
the problems and challenges there are until you come out again as an expert, as, as a consultant, you ask the right questions and you make them to truly open up and you understand the root cause. And again, I always use this example. The best salespeople, they listen to understand that rookie ones, they listen to respond. The best salespeople, they talk about the strategic outcome. The rookie salespeople, they talk about their company and their products and the features. Huge difference between these two groups. Love that. And for anyone listening who wants to go deeper in this topic, you recommend that book, Gap Selling. Anything else that you, any other resources that you find like really valuable, including any of your own resources? Yeah, yeah I have so many amazing colleagues in the industry. Keenan from Gap Selling is one, one of them. John Barrows, he's another guy that I have so much respect for. He's an amazing guy. And obviously, Light Concept is also my own book, How to Become a Sales Master which, which it would give you everything that you need to be successful in sales, not only from your qualification, but also for your discovery, how to do your product demo, how to do your prospecting, how to manage a pipeline. And the last six chapters for sales leaders, sales managers, director of sales, VP of sales, CROs of how to run uh, your sales team and how to do your weekly one-on-ones and pipeline reviews and forecasts and all the fun stuff. Perfect. Everything. I think I'm going to grab myself a copy and definitely encouraging all the listeners to do that as well. Okay. So I do want to go back and I know we're pretty deep in the weeds, but I think this will be helpful for anyone who's, whether they're entrepreneurial, trying to figure out their market quite wide or people are into this. So you gave us this framework and you even gave us specific examples for how to think about, and I feel like you didn't explicitly think, but it's how to like, it was email format where. If you're sending an old email, make sure you're speaking their language. You're using industry specific KPIs. You're giving them some sort of like significant pre-value and you're inviting them to a call. First, let me just ask, is that a format that you more or less would use in email and how would that differ for LinkedIn? If so, there's the foreign strengths and things of the Yeah. The forum is, is pretty similar for the email LinkedIn messages. And that's, you want to open your email or your message with the, uh, with the problem, with the common problem that uh, your product solve in that person's industry. The moment that you say, hi, this is my name. I'm writing from this company, our company. Again, is I see this every day on LinkedIn. And honestly, I don't even spend two seconds to read it because immediately I see it and I'm like, no. I can tell it's a copy and paste email or message. I'm not going to even reply to you, but the best ones are the ones that they immediately tell me, these are the problems that people in your industry are facing. And this is how we have helped them to solve these problems. And if you're dealing with these problems, great. Let's book a time and I'm not going to give you a homework. Just tell me, reply. Yes, you are interested. And I book sometime in your calendar or whatever. And give me that five minutes for me to show you how exactly I can help you to solve or overcome these problems. If you're not facing these problems, great, congratulations. There are still other areas that I can help you and your business to grow or whatever. But it's very important that before giving that homework to that prospect, give them a reason why they have to give you five minutes of their time. Why they have to give you 10 minutes of their time. Why they have to reply to your email. And today, so many salespeople, they don't. Hey, I get this every day. Hi, Navid. Um, our company is this. We work with clients like Facebook, this and that. It's like literally the first 10 lines goes for them, how amazing they are. 
Like sometimes I just want to reply back with a clapping sign emoji and say, hey, you know what? Congratulations. What do you want me to do? You reach out to me. So tell me exactly how you can help me. What are you offering me? What is the value in there? And what are you asking me in return? If you are going to show me something that my competitors are doing that are missing right now, that has helped them to with A, B, C, and in return, you're asking me for five minutes of my time, guess what? I'm going to give you that five minutes of my time. But if you're going to ask me to give you 45 minutes of my time because you want to tell me how amazing your company is and the type of the products and services that you think could help my business to grow, then good luck on getting that time. So at the end of the day, it's all about, again, customizing it when you're reaching out to someone, doing your homework, and again, everyone do this differently, but do something to capture that person's attention immediately. I had someone to like reach out to me a couple of days ago before first line, hi, this is my name. First, I just want to say congratulations for winning this award, by the way. I just noticed this three days ago, it came out. This is amazing. So immediately I'm like, okay, this person, it's not a copy and paste message or email. This person has done his homework or her homework about me. I work with lots of businesses in the consulting industry and I help them with A, B, C. If you need help with any of these things, let's jump on a call. If not, I just want to say thank you so much for inspiring me, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, all I need is just five minutes of your time. Look at the difference between something like this, less than 150 words or whatever, versus someone who send you a, an essay and all these things that at the end, they say, I need one hour of your time, right? Yeah. So it's important to actually uh, understand how exactly you're planning to capture that person's attention. Once you capture their attention, you need to keep their attention by giving them the information that is important to them. That is relevant to them. We know that the moment that you do that, if you can't capture the attention, if you keep their attention, the third element is easier. Why? Because now the person says, okay, you know what? Let me jump on a call with you. Let me see, let me see what you have. And obviously from there, it's very important to, to be able to understand how to handle an objection. It's how someone tells you, no, I'm not interested. I'm too busy. Send me something. We don't have the budget for it and all these things. That's another skill set that you need to have how to handle uh, objections. Yeah, that's awesome. Really appreciate you pausing to go deeper into those elements of a message and straight to know they basically do translate regardless of the platform. I do want to jump into the objection stuff, but I want to ask one last clarifying question around this stuff that is pretty in the weed. Do you, so let's just use consulting services or any service-based business. Do you generally recommend going for a call with your initial ask. So you think it's really important to have a clear outcome or a clear strategy. So do you find, I'm sure you probably tested a lot of things in your career. Do you go straight for the call or do you ever, are there certain instances where you want to just give them a training first and let them react? Or is it just like straight to the point? They're either interested or they're not call. It depends on the individual and the industry. Sometimes, for example, if you're reaching out to a dentist or a doctor that they are busy the entire day, either doing surgeries or being in an appointment after appointment. It's very important to ask that person, what would be a perfect time to get hold of them, right? So that's why I always tell salespeople when you're doing that prospecting or reach outs, it's not only eight to four or nine to five. There are so many of these decision makers that are actually available from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. There are so many of them that are actually available from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. So it's very important to try different timing throughout the day. But immediately, I would go for a call. Why? Because 
If the person says, hey, you know what? This is interesting. Send me an email. Let me read it. If I send you an email, A, I don't exactly know what you're looking for in that email, right? Unless if you tell me what are the top three important things you want in that email. B, I'm not there to actually walk you through this. So it's like you're reading something without knowing exactly the value, true value behind it. C, you're busy with so many things. Why would I give you extra homework? Yeah. So then that's the time that I say, hey, you know what? So many times, the moment that I send that email list to customer, it brings more confusion than uh, anything else. And I know you're a busy person. Why don't you give me two minutes of your time? And yeah. after that two minutes, you can tell me then what exactly you want to see in that, email, uh, to, in that email. But having that conversation, phone conversation is very important. And this is something that is very important that I want to point out because some people might actually dislike me after saying this. For those of, for those people that they say is 2023, cold calling is dead. I promise you, if you have that mentality, you're losing so much business and so much money every day for your business. Cold calling is dead for those people who are not comfortable making cold calls. Otherwise, I can still tell you that all the top companies here in North America, when you ask them the number one source of their deals and opportunities, where, is it, where does it come from? They tell you it's cold calling. So getting that prospect jumping on the call, it's way more valuable than exchanging 100 emails or exchanging 100 LinkedIn messages. All that. Yeah, and that's great, right? There's less traffic. When you go the extra mile, there's, I, there's a more uh, poetic way to say that, but no one else is go-calling and you're going to stand out more. So it's a revival. 100%. And, and don't get me wrong, when COVID happened, so many of these businesses, they went remote and they worked remote. And that was a time that so many people had a hard time to get a hold of that prospect. And uh, you need to be very smart with your cadences. That's why your cadence is when you reach out to a prospect, it has to be a mix of calls, voicemail messages, emails, LinkedIn messages. I had a, uh, a rep one time, she actually really wanted to speak to this prospect and the prospect didn't reply to anything and she decided to send a letter, handwritten letter to the prospect, right? There's a customer that really want to talk to you. Please get back to me and all that. And surprisingly, she got a response back from the prospect. So shaking outside of the box, it's very important. If you have to walk in, you have to walk in. If you have to do it through, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook, do it through there. If you have to do it through TikTok or send a video art video, do that. But it's very important to try different channels of communication. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I've definitely dabbled in the waters of, and even for this podcast, I try to get people on the show and whatnot. And I find if you're willing to continue testing and trying things and not be like, oh, they didn't answer my Instagram DM. Guess I'm not going to get all of them. Try cross platform. And like, I have an assistant support to these things, but like a hack I love is if they're big on Instagram, go find them on LinkedIn where they have 50 connections and it's way easier to get a hold of them. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Very cool. I appreciate you sharing that. Why don't we jump over to the objection stuff? And I'm almost curious before we go into actual responses or like really in the nitty gritty of it, I'd love to hear just the way you encourage salespeople to think, even from a mindset perspective, like how do you go into a call? How do you think about your identity as a salesperson? And how does that relate with objections and, and handle it? I feel like it's much easier to really understand how to 
frame the situation rather than this is the thing I need to say for each question they have. If you're new to the sales industry, I would definitely recommend to have a script in front of you. And that's what I used to do when I was new to the sales industry. I had four or five uh, papers in front of me. The person says, I'm not interested. I read from one of these four responses. If the person says, send me something, I read from this. But once you're, once you're in sales for two, three years, then it's natural. Right? The first thing that you need to understand is objections are your friends. Don't run away from them. Don't avoid them because you're just hurting yourself and this your opportunity to close that sales. And the second is first try to understand if it's a smoke screen or a real objection, because there's a huge difference between a smoke screen and an objection. So that's very important. And once you understand it's an objection, not a smoke screen, then I go with the three steps. Number one, listen and acknowledge. When someone tells you something, they are not interested or send me something and all that. The moment you go back to head to head with them, that's the moment you lose them. Why? Because they say, I just told this person I'm not interested and he or she completely ignored what I said. So that means you are not listening to me, right? So that's very important. Listen and acknowledge. Mr. Customer, you are not interested. I completely understand where you're coming from. You're a busy person. You receive 100 calls like this every day. Why would you be interested? Especially you didn't make the call. I made the call, right? So this is very important. Immediately the person goes, hey, you know what? This person is listening to me. They're like, okay, it, that's good. Then second step, try to come up with a sentence that kind of surprised them, something that they didn't expect to hear. And that could sound like, hey, Mr. Customer, I completely understand where you're coming from and you're not interested. And guess what? Actually, so many of the current clients that I have today, they, are, they were exactly like you when I reached out to them the first time. They were not interested either. So if, I'm glad that you are saying you're not interested. And then the person goes, wow. What is this person exactly doing here? The person is saying it's good that I'm not interested. And then immediately you say, so many of them, they told me the same thing when I reach out to them that they are not interested. Well, guess what? Today, when I talk to them, not only are my happy clients, but they are telling me that 30 minutes that they gave me, it was one of the best decisions they made. Then the third step, you go back to your uh, goal of the call, which is, scheduling that meeting, that qualification call, that discovery call. And that's the point that is very important. Never say if it's okay with you to schedule a call. Never say, would it be possible to schedule a call? You're already giving them a way out. Okay, so let's schedule a call uh, on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Do you prefer mornings or afternoons? How would we do a call on Friday at 4 p.m.? Be very specific, be confident, and ask them for a chance to deliver value to them. Don't ask them for a chance to sell them something. If you follow these three steps, I, I promise you, you can handle any objections. I love that. Just take, I'm taking some notes for myself because these are like very awesome, very specific tips uh, to deliver value. That's what you said. I love that. Okay. And even just a small caveat there. So it sounds like, I feel like we didn't spell this out or if we did, I missed it, but so this is, you're getting them on what is actually just a five minute call where you're trying to convince them to do a legitimate 30 minute conversation. Is that what you're saying? Or is this like a VA email? Yeah, because so many times, yeah, I've had so many times. I read it one time, I did a meeting with a client that uh, it was a big name, this individual. And he told me, I give you seven minutes of my time. And literally he went with his watch like this and he pressed it. 
and said, you have yeah. seven minutes. And, you know, during that seven minutes, instead of going through all how amazing we are and all that, I told the person, I cannot really tell you how, how exactly we can help you until I understand more about you. I only have two questions for you. And I asked those two questions. We got into this enchanted conversation. And by the time his watch went like beeping, meaning that it was end of seven minutes, I got up and I opened the door and he was like, where are you going? And I said, you just gave me seven minutes and I'm respectful of your time. If you're interested, we can continue in the future. If not, absolute pleasure speaking with you. And he's no, it's okay. It's okay. Come sit down. Yeah. I like what you were saying. And that seven minutes ended up being to two hours conversation and him ended up working with us. How many people, they give you that five minutes, that 10 minutes. Because they already know what you're going to discuss and what you're, what you're going to, to cover. And again, they receive too many calls, too many emails, too many messages like that. So it's very important for you to stay confident, go with your game plan, make sure you have a clear ass, make sure you have a clear game plan, make sure you do your prep before that meeting of whoever that individual that you're going to meet, to meet with. And you would be surprised that so many times people... They say they give you that five minutes, 10 minutes, but it ended up being 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, two hours. Yeah, I love that. You spoke to it at a high level. You said, okay, in your mind, you're like, okay, I have seven minutes. You said there were two questions you have. So for someone listening who gets put in that situation where they are time compressed, what do you think? Is it like getting them to express their pain point as quick as possible? Or like, how do you, when you're put in that super compressed time clock, like what is the 80-20 inputs valuable? When someone gives you that much time, you barely have time to ask any questions to truly understand what they are dealing with, right? What problems are they dealing with? And that's a part that you got to come out as someone who was knowledgeable about their industry, right? So meaning that again, I use that hotel example. I had a one time general manager of this huge hotel in Dubai, like literally told me, Hey, I have five minutes. And I said, Mr. Customer, like. I'm not hearing the business of selling you something. I'm hearing the business of helping you with something. Huge difference. But if you only have five minutes, so instead of asking questions, this is what I know about your hotel. This is where you guys look at it. This is what you guys do. This is what I got from my research. Did I get this right? The first 45 seconds. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. Great. The way that I'm helping businesses or hotels in your industry today is I help them to increase weekdays business and weekends business. I help them to increase their occupancy rate. That's one of the biggest problems hotels have in the industry. I help them to increase their RF for an ADR. I help them to attract more business travelers versus leisure travelers or more leisure travelers versus business travelers. I help them to reduce the churn inside the hotel. When I go with five, six, seven major problems that our products solve and that I know based on my research and validation that I've done in the past, these are the main problems they face every day. Then that's the time that immediately the person went, oh yeah, actually, you know what? We really want to increase our weekend's business. Yeah. And we want to attract more corporate travelers to our business. How can you help us with that? Boom, I capture your attention now. Now I capture your attention. Let me show you how I can help you to get there. Then that's the time then I can ask more questions to understand the impact, to understand the root cause, and then go for the solution. Right? So it's very important when people are giving you a limited time. And also if someone says, Hey, I don't have time. I always tell this to salespeople. If someone told you, Hey, I don't have time. Just show me what you have. Don't do it. Don't do it. You might say, Hey, you know what? I disagree with you. But I tell my A's today, if someone told you, Hey, you know what? I don't want to share with you anything. Just show me what you have. Don't do it. 
because literally it's going to a store and someone asks you, hey, what do you want? And you just say, hey, sh show me what you have. Well, Mr. Mr. Customer, we have 4,000 items here. What do you mean show you what we have? So you truly need to understand what the prospect is going through, understand the, the problems, the pain points, quantify the impact, try to understand the root cause, and then go for the solution. Mm. Love it. Very cool. We're, do you have time for one more question? There's one more thing I want to ask you about. Absolutely. Fantastic. So we've covered on a ton of topics here. One that we did not get to, and I think because we have a decent tech audience here, I'd love to hear, even if it's at just at a high level, what, when it comes to product demos, what is, what are your top few points of importance? If you had to just give a few tips on delivering a converting product demo, what should we think about? Don't do a product dump. That's very important. Don't show me feature after feature. Don't ask me, does that make sense? We are not in a class at the university. You're not my professor or anything. Don't ask me any questions so far. And these are the two things, by the way, all the salespeople who are listening to this, they say, oh my God, I do that. What's wrong with that? And I tell you what's wrong with that. When you ask me, uh, when you, sh so many times people don't even ask, they just show feature, feature after feature. But the role is every time you show a feature, you want to ask an affirming question, right? And that's very important. Instead of saying, does that make sense? Because when you ask me, does that make sense? If I told you yes, or if I told you no, would that really tell you if it made sense? No, not really. But instead of saying that, hey, Mr. Customer, let's say, imagine if you had access to this feature today, how would you have used it for your business? Ask me a question that I can repeat back what exactly you just showed. That's one way to do it. The second one, when you show a feature, pause. Mr. Customer, can you see how this feature can help you to reduce your churn? And if the person says, yes, absolutely, then great, you're getting that buying signals, mm. right? If the person says, mm, I don't know, I'm not really sure, then pause right there. Because whatever you're doing, whatever you're pitching, the person is not really buying into, right? Yeah. So every time you show a feature, ask that affirming question, making sure you're both on the same page, tie it back to the problems that they mentioned to you during the discovery. Hey, this feature, Mr. Customer, you told me you want to attract more corporate travelers, right? Yes, you're right. Okay, so with this one, we can put you in front of 4,000 uh, companies on these corporate travel sites, blah, 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 and it can help you with this. And throughout that, don't make it just about you, this and that. Always use that power of storytelling. We had the clients, same as you, eight months ago, they said they want to attract more corporate travelers. They use this feature. Today, they are sitting at here. This is where they were. This is where they are today, right? Connect to people, right? Share with them exactly how you can help them to get there. And always be welcome to those objections. If they throw an objection to you, don't get defensive. At the end, once you do a recap, Mr. Customer, you told me you're dealing with one, two, three, four, five, six problems. I showed you one, two, three, four, five solutions that we can help you to achieve that. Was I able to cover everything for you today? Did I miss something? Do you have any, what questions do you have? Again, that's another thing. You don't say any questions. You say, what questions do you have, right? Because that way we can help, we can make them to talk instead of saying yes or no answer, right? If you do these tiny little things, then I promise you, you can see the improvement in the closing ratio. Mm, I love that. Tons of value there. I think anyone doing product demos can really think about their process and think about, are they, do they have some of those non-supportive habits of things they're saying that are throwaway lines and just being really tactical with everything that they share. And hopefully they're smart enough not not to overly focus on the feature and really think about the customer problem it's solving. But 
Yeah, Naveed, really appreciate you sharing all these tips. This was probably one of my favorite sales conversations we've had on this show because you just have so much value and clearly your years of experience of tons of different industries shines through and, and you really have this stuff dialed into a T. For everyone listening, definitely encourage you guys to check out Naveed's book. We'll have the link down below for anyone who wants a copy. Anything else you want to share before we let you hop off here? Any last? That's it. That's it. I'm here to help sales individuals. How to become a salesman, so 100% proceeds go through charity in Ukraine. And I'm working on the second one, which is how to become a great leader, which is mainly for the sales leaders out there. But other than that, thank you so much for having me. Mm, perfect. Thank you so much.